Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You guys know how much I love Noonday Collection. They are a socially responsible brand that uses fashion to create meaningful opportunity for over 4,500 artisans and their families around the world. When you purchase Noonday accessories, you are helping keep families together, send children to school, and build a flourishing world. Noonday Collection just launched their fall line, and you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it because I love it, and I think everyone will love it. Head on over to NoondayCollection.com slash Jamie Ivy to check out my top five favorite fall pieces and get connected to a local Noonday ambassador to shop their brand new collection. Don't forget, NoondayCollection.com slash Jamie Ivy. Friends, you are listening to episode number 210, and my guest for today's show is Taylor Nichols. Taylor and I met a few years ago and we became friends over time. And eventually we secured our friendship when we were roommates at Camp Well. Taylor's a mom of four kids, two of them biological, one sweet little girl that they adopted last year and one baby still growing in her belly. We talk a lot about what that's gonna look like with her kids, with her two youngest being 11 months apart. It's gonna be great, you guys. On today's show, we talk about her childhood church experiences. She has a lot of baggage, a lot of hurt. And what I want to know from someone who's been through something so difficult like that is how do you love God now? How do you still trust Him and believe that He's good? And she does. I know that some of you are going to be able to relate to some of her experiences. We also talk about grief, you guys, and grief is hard and it is unpredictable. We talk about what that looks like for her. She lost her daddy when she was 28 years old. And grief has been hard, but she's walking through it and she's sitting in the messy and she's better because of it. I love Taylor. You're gonna love Taylor. She also has a podcast that she's working on and gonna be releasing soon. I'm so proud of her and encouraging her. And she's diving into this even as she becomes a mom to four. It's called Speak Life with Taylor Nichols. Keep your eye out for that when it comes out. Guys, I want to ask a favor of you. It always feels weird to ask you to go leave us a review over at iTunes. It's like that friend that's like, will you please give me a compliment? And it's not so much that, I promise you. iTunes reviews, no matter where you listen to podcasts, if you listen to Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to your shows, iTunes reviews actually help us out a lot, us podcasters, because it shows people that other people are listening. And so if you want to, and I hope that you would, it's super easy. I'd love a five-star review. I love five stars and some kind words. I would be so happy for it. Also, you guys don't forget the month of September, we're reading the book that I released this year, If You Only Knew, my unlikely unavoidable story of becoming free. Grab a copy anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway. I have it on my store shop. You can get it there. You can also get it on Audible, Christian Audio. Grab a copy, read with us. But what I really want you to do is encourage some girlfriends to read with you. Read it together, text about it, talk about it. Then use the hashtag happy hour book club. Hashtag if you're buying the book, hashtag when you're reading the book, hashtag your girlfriends together. And at the end of the month, we have something special for a winner. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with Taylor. Hey, Taylor, welcome to the happy hour. Happy to be here. Happy to have you in my studio recording. I know, I like this. So Taylor and I are real life friends. And I feel like I always say that when I have real life friends on here, but we actually live in the same city, do things together, hang out. See each other. Drink coffee together Mm -hmm. and wine when you're not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So uh, Taylor is mom to four. 
Three at home. Three and a half. Three and a half. I was yeah. going to say one's not out yet. <laughs> How far I'm, along are you? I have seven weeks left. Oh my gosh. So whatever that calculates out to. Fourth kid. You're like, I don't remember I the first pregnancy. Yes. You yes. like, I would know like I am seven 31, months and three yes. days. It's the size of a coconut, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everything. I'm like, do I have to come into the doctor this week? <laughs> well, what are y'all going to do? Because can we do this over the phone? Yes, exactly. I feel the I'll measure. Moving. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I'll give Dave a little tape measure. Wait, from the belly button down to yes. the whatever. Whatever. Wherever they go. <laughs> the end of this belly. Which You're like, I can't very see long. it. Uh-huh. Uh, so two boys, uh, kinder and first. We are in second and kinder. Second mm-hmm. and kinder. Yes. And then sweet little Emerson. Tell, tell, tell us about. Emerson and then this baby in your belly because there's some. Yes. So Emerson is our little girl who came to us through adoption in November of last year. So 2017, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we got a call. We turned our adoption paperwork in on Wednesday and we got a call on Thursday morning and she was home with us on Saturday. Um, that is so crazy. It was very crazy. It was very, very crazy um, in all the beautiful ways. We were picking up a car seat at Bye Bye Baby and driving to pick her up because she was born in the same state that we were and was only a couple hours away. Um which was amazing. And uh, then it was Thanksgiving and Christmas and it was just all the joy and all the gifting and um, grace. And then uh, my period didn't start. Are you a regular period? Oh yeah. Okay. I Uh was really frustrated at my body. Like, you know, I can feel it and it's just not starting. Uh Yeah. Um, And my sweet friend Sarah was like, uh, maybe you should take a pregnancy test. And I was like, that's weird. No, uh-uh. <laughs> and you'd have to have sex to do that. And we have a newborn and other kids, and like that's not even happening. Uh-huh. Except um, you had had sex. I mean, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. one time, <laughs> really, one time in between the periods. Yes, in the month of January. Listen, I look, had, oh, I know, I get all had this pneumonia. We had Emerson developed um, silent reflux. So we had almost three weeks of her screaming pretty much 24 seven. Um, my husband had traveled for a week and yeah. You had sex once. Once in the very safe period to do it that we've been doing for six years and family, uh, what's it called? Natural plan. Natural or plan. What is I it? don't know what it's the called. The rhythm I method. I just know don't go right here. Okay. But the <laughs> not safe period. We're in the no we were safe in the very, very safe period. So, I mean, I was literally like, there is absolutely no it's way. Impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. Uh-huh. There is no way. Yeah. Um, and then God's like with me, all yes. things are possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing what God can do. So Emerson and this new baby girl will be how far apart? They will be 11 months apart. 11 months apart. Mm-hmm. People do this all the time. Taylor. They do. Yeah. Jamie. I mean, this what is pe- completely what? <laughs> normal. What do we call this? Irish twins? Irish twins. Uh-huh. Yes. There's how no fun way. though that you have two boys that are so close and then you're gonna have two daughters that are so I close. I know. They're four, ma- it's going to be and really four cool. kids is awesome. Okay. Good. I mean, I, mine are a lot older than yours. My youngest is fifth grade. My oldest is ninth grade. You're standing. And it is fun. And right now, I mean, we all can still, we we can go see the same movies for the most part. I mean, there's some that were like, Story, you can't see this. But I mean, everything. Like the other day, I showed Story Still Magnolias for the first time. Do you remember... I mean, I mean, I didn't grow up with TV, but that's, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll there. get there. But you've seen the movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I saw that it was on Netflix. I was like, oh my gosh, mm. we have to watch this. And so Story has watched it three times in the last week. 
which I can't. There's not that much inappropriate. They do put, remember they put condoms all over the um the car when the when the girl Julie Roberts this, when she gets but, married, okay. her brothers put condoms all over the car. And I story hasn't asked and I need to just bring it up. It just hasn't been Remember that part? Baby? Yeah, I was like, I just want to tell you what those are because that's how I parent. I'm like, let me tell you what a condom is. I'm and so down. With let me that. tell you what a penis Here's is. Here's the I'll, moment. Yeah, right now like, let's just go there. So now that she saw it on the cars, which I don't even know if she caught on to it, but anyhow, that it'll part, be like when she's 20, she'll be like, oh. it's kind of the way I felt when I watched Dirty Dancing and Grease as an adult, and I went, oh my gosh, those shows are so inappropriate, but I didn't know no. it was inappropriate mm-hmm. when I was watching it. But we, Story and I watched Still Magnolias and the boys watched the whole thing with us too. And oh I was like, oh. Did they watch it? Yeah, they watched it. We watched, we watched it over like three nights because it was school. And I was like, hey, we can watch 15 minutes. And everybody has like, and every, 14 yeah. minutes yeah. to get dinner, baths, do something fun. Totally. As a family and go to bed. Yes. Yeah. Now oh. at our house, and I don't know, what time do y'all eat dinner at your house? I, I can't really even talk about this yet because it's still, we're just in month one of kindergarten. But if my six-year-old goes to bed after 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Okay, did you hear that? Yes. 6 p.m. Uh-huh. Uh, the next morning is not a it is not a good day for anyone. So he is in bed by six, which means the we, sun is still mm-hmm, up, mm-hmm. and he's asleep within ten minutes because he's exhausted. He's so tired. Yeah, and he, you know, like around five o'clock, he's like, "I've had a very hard day. My okay. day was very, very challenging." <laughs> You know, like the whole day. So we've just started moving towards that. So normally we're like a 7.30, 8 o'clock. I really like my alone time with my husband at yeah. night. I love my children very much. Girl, listen. But that is the hard thing when your kids get older. Oh. I went to bed. Aaron and I, well, we stayed up way too late one night this weekend. It was dumb. Like we we're like 21 years old or something stupid. It's a good reminder that we're not. Right. Oh, <laughs> so like last night I I was in bed by 9.30. I think I was asleep by mm-hmm. 9.32. My son, Caden, was still awake. I was like, dude, take the dogs out and go to bed by 10. I got it. At least you have somebody to take the dogs out. I know, right? Right? That's healthy. So that's what's harder when your kids are older. Because I mean, when our kids- When do you get your time? When our kids were young like you, I mean, we would watch TV shows together. Yeah. We would have sex at like eight o'clock at night. I Uh mean- I mean, that's the only time it's going to happen right now, pregnant. I'm like, if if I hit the pillow, we're done. We're done. Nope, nope, Uh we're out of here. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you're going to be a mom at a four. Yes. These sweet girls are going to be so close. Now, do the math. They'll be in two different grades. They'll be in two different grades. Okay, I like that. They'll be a year apart. Yeah, so I think that'll be good. Uh Um, And what's really cool is that um, we had walked uh, briefly with a family in the summer um, before our paperwork was done, just kind of a random friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. And as we walked out of a meeting with people that were considering us as potential um, parents for their for their baby, we um, it was a heavy situation. We got in the car and Dave was like, what are you feeling? Like, what do you feel? And I was like, I don't feel like that is the baby that God has for us. And I feel like they will pick a family who cannot biologically conceive. And I feel like God has twin girls for us. And Dave looked at me and he was like, you have lost your ever loving mind. Did you just say twin girls? And I just like put my hands up. and was like, you asked what I'm feeling right now. Those are the, like, that's my feelings right now. I have zero idea where any of that came from. And, um, and that is exactly, they did pick a family who couldn't biologically conceive. We've stayed in contact with them. It's a very sweet relationship. Um, but when we got the call about Emerson, um, we had also gotten a call or not really a call, but we had talked to an agency who had twin girls. And so there was this like lingering in the back of my mind of like, okay, Lord, was that you, was that the Holy Spirit? Were you talking to me? That sounds crazy. And totally like 
we can't do that. But then, I mean, I remember like calculating the months as that yes came up on the pregnancy stick. And I was like, they're going to be Irish twins. Mm -hmm. And there was this moment with me and Lord where I was like, okay, God, if this is a girl, like it was like my burning bush moment, you know, where I was like, okay, Lord, like I had put it, I put it aside. I'm like, you're, you know, you're crazy. You weren't thinking right. Um, So there is a, there's a specialness for me in that too. Just knowing like, this is God's story yeah, and yeah. over them, over us. Um, I still am like, there's no way that we can do this, but I think that's where he has me right totally. now. Totally. Yeah. Th- there's a TV on show on TV where people have like seven kids at one time. You got this. You totally got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with help, which is oh, growing me. With help, Lots with help. help. Okay. So Taylor, we met um, a couple of years ago. We went to Campwell together, yes, which I talk we about did. Campwell a lot on this show because it was just it was such a great thing go. for me. Yeah, I do think mm-hmm. it's it's a great it's for dreamers and doers, and it's in Colorado. Um, look it up, Campwell. But we met a couple times before that, and that's where we kind of solidified our friendship. Yes. I would say was we decided at Campwell. To be there, we decided yeah. we we're going to be friends. Uh-huh. Um, but we had lunch before or after. I can't remember. Probably before. I think before. Yeah, probably before. I think you wanted to fill me out and make sure I wasn't crazy before you shared a room with me. <laughs> I don't blame you because I really just, wanted to do the same yes, thing. Too. Yes. So we had lunch, and you shared a lot of your story with me, and I remember thinking. Well, there's a couple things I want to say about you real quick, since I have a microphone oh, and you, you have, have to listen to I me. have a microphone too. I know, but so you have to listen. Um, a couple of things I want to say is, number one, we're going to talk about you growing up in church. And I am super, super impressed. And after you guys hear her story, you'll see what I'm saying is, I feel as though when people have been hurt by the church, a church, I should say, in this case, a, a church, I don't think that where you went was a part of the church. That's on me. <laughs> Everyone gets opinions. Around Everyone here. gets it's opinions. Fine, yes. Uh-huh. But when people have been hurt by faith, I should say, or church things, I can see them either running as fast as they can away from God. Like I am done with that. Mm-hmm. I have some friends who Yay. have recently um, left the Mormon church and they're done with God, nothing to do. Or by God's grace, you see someone say, I'm actually going to cling to the truth. And what I now know is truth and what I had been taught was not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're on that latter part. You have said, I'm going to, I'm going to find the truth for myself. I'm going to believe in it. It's going to be hard because I have a lot of pain and trauma from. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. It's messy. So that about you, I'm super impressed by that. Number two, uh, you are one of the kindest friends I've ever had in my entire life. Um, I would consider myself a pretty mediocre friend. I hope I'm not bursting anyone's bubble that's listening to the happy hour. I don't know about that. I would consider myself pretty mediocre. Um, I, I'm a terrible texture. I don't call back. I just, uh, I, 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 this is not self-deprecating. I'm saying this is for kids because I'm just going to, I'm going to hang on to this. So. <laughs> but I'm saying that you, and, and people do have giftings of just showing up and being there. And you are one of those people. I remember when Amanda had her heart issues and you had a newborn, and you're like, hey, I'm bringing you dinner. Just, well, I didn't have the newborn. I mean, it was just there. Well, you had a newborn in your house <laughs> that you were in charge of. Okay. Um, but it's things like that. So Thank you. Um, you guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly 
warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. But I want you to tell us about growing up and what church looked like for you. And, and you're right. You know, it's super messy. Um, and I want to hear how it was growing up because that influences who you are today. Yes. So take me back. Um, lots and lots of years. Lots and lots of years. You know, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day and I was calcul or they were calculating the years out that I've been out. So I'm 36 and I left when I was 13. So 23 years. Yeah. That's uh -huh. insane to me. Yeah. Um, so more of your life. So I've been out more uh -huh. than I have been. I've almost married equal amount of years. Yeah. And, but that's a, that's a, it was a funny moment to just pause and look at that and be like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so I am the only girl in family of, of six. I have five brothers and uh, my mom and dad both married second marriages and um, my two older brothers or my half brothers that I grew up very, very close to. And so I, my my mom came to know the Lord right about the time that her and my dad met. And part of that is the journey of how we landed where we were. Um, my mom had a deep desire to just honor God and she'd broken up or she had grown up in a broken home um, and did not have a lot of stability and uh, really wanted to provide that for our family and for a blended family. I think that was very important to her of how, you know, how could she love well? And she knew she was broken and knew that she was learning. She was a new Christian a mom to two kids, then a mom to two more kids very quickly after. Um, and so, uh, they ended up looking for homeschooling options, um, which I, as I put my kids on the bus every day, I'm like, I am so in awe of that. It, a, I get it sometimes because I'm like the schedule, please. Uh -huh. But but then I um, I just have that most respect. That's very hard. And so um, that is how they came in contact with this group. It was all, they all homeschooled. And um, from the outside looking in really did some awesome stuff. It's a hardcore, like kind of go back to the basics, the root of like, you know, um, building and growing and organic. Butter and, making. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Candle making, soap making. You still have all these uh, skill sets? I can't talk about that. Dave is like, why can we not start a business? You could. Do you have all these skill sets? Yeah, I know how to do. I mean, I yeah, I can milk a cow. I can, can make you make soap. butter? I can make butter and soap uh-huh. and candles. candles. I mean, I, I'm here with Dave. Like, we uh-huh. need a front a retail store. I can also go to HGB or Whole Foods and buy them. <laughs> I like really <laughs> lot like, less time. David watches the Alaskan shows and he's like, "Oh my gosh, we could do this." And I'm like, "But, but we don't need to do that right now." <laughs> right. So, like, we're I've good. done that. We're I good. think we're good. We don't need to butcher it and do all that. Um, we grew, yeah, we grew up butchering chickens and, you know, splitting a cow with somebody yeah. and all that, um, which was good. Good. It's great. I mean, yeah. We, my mom, it's like trending organic. We live in Austin. It's a very like healthy, conscious city. I grew up that way. That way. Yeah. Bulgur was a part of our, you know, like buckwheat pancakes yeah. were in mm-hmm. gluten when gluten wasn't cool. Like, yeah. I mean, when it was cool, we, we were doing those things. So, yeah. Um, we ended up joining this group and, uh, is it called a church? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yes, they have a church, so there is church, but yeah, they would say a body of Christ is what they would call themselves. And just for clarity, for those of you listening, because I know you're going to be wondering, because I would be, if I were listening, uh, we're not going to say the name of the organization just for Taylor's safety sake. And for theirs. I feel like it's good for for everybody. You know, my heart is... It is a group of good people Mm -hmm. who believe the wrong thing. And I think that that happens every single day. Um, And so there is, there is pain for me in that, that I walk in a lot of freedom now and a lot of grace. And I know, I know what it means to be forgiven. Um, But I also know what it means to feel trapped Mm -hmm. and to feel like to love God or to serve God, that you have to be under all of the constraints and works, really. Mm-hmm. And that really is what boiled down to. Um, Which is know. the exact anti-gospel. Yes. I mean, it's what Jesus came to but free it's us so from. so attractive, right? If you look at, if you look at like, figuring out how to have a free gift given to you that is so beyond your comprehension. Well, what do I need to do to earn it? Yes. Mm -hmm. It is very attractive to say, here is the path that you earn that. Also, there's a lot of control in that as well. Yes. If I can just do the right thing, then you're going to love me. And then I can be right and do right and Mm -hmm. all is good. And then I'm a good girl and then you're a good person. Which is what makes Jesus' death and resurrection and his free gift, it makes it so just like reckless and scandalous Mm -hmm. and... Really? Like, so there's no... And in our brokenness, impossible to comprehend, right? Impossible. And there's no hidden text. There's... there's It kind of makes you go, yeah, Uh what's going on here? Yeah. So, I mean, I can... I have a a place of empathy for understanding. And I I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that doing right, um, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, you know? And because there's a part of my nature that goes back to that and it's comfortable for sure. It's comfortable. For sure. So, um, so yeah, I think that we were, I think I was about 13 when, or no, no, I was about three when we left. I was thir- or when we went, I was three. And when we left, I was 13. There we go. That's 10 clear. years. Yeah. So was there about 10 years, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, they had different locations at the time. They're now ma- mainly in one area, but we never lived in the same city. And so we drove a couple hours. We drove from Austin mm-hmm. to, to where it is. And um, we drove that every Sunday. Um, for church. For church. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, to give people like a little bit of a visual, um, it is kind of 
then these are my experiences and my interpretation, but kind of a mixture of like Amish heritage, um, Mormon, not belief so much, but like just kind of a mixing of these types of um, centralized or one like idea based faith in a sense. And so the, except for what I grew up understanding is that there was a higher calling to our group. We have been enlightened um, and had a, you know, like a deeper clarity on what it meant to love the Lord. Um, and that meant like doing the things right. Mm-hmm. And so long, long hair, long dresses, no makeup, no news, um, home birth, um, home school, no driver's license, maybe no birth certificate because you were born at home. Maybe some for some. Yes. Um, Remember the time I sent you that um, podcast to listen yes. to? <laughs> and I was like, you are never no. going to believe this. <laughs> and it was about a girl who like grew up and realized she didn't have any identification because her yeah. parents hadn't given her. And you were like, thanks for like bringing up all my past. <laughs> <laughs> I think you thought I was thinking that. Yeah. No. Um, when, when we left, my mom uh, and dad helped uh, quite a few kids get, you know, high school diplomas, um, those type of documentation yeah. so that they could find yeah. jobs. Yeah. Um, and that was not really thought fondly of from the group, yeah. but it was something that was important to my parents. And for, for me, um, I, you know, I had half siblings and so, uh, my mom had, um, lost her mom early and was, she's the oldest child. And so we were really engaged in my mom's family specifically, um, my dad's as well, but they lived in Michigan. And so there was like out, outside influence in my mm-hmm. life. I yeah. mean, taught wrong. That That's how was, you saw Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see yeah. Dumbo yeah. Um, and Lady and the Tramp and, you know. Yeah. So I had, I had this broader knowledge, if you will. Of the world. Yes. But there were definitely some people who did not have that at all. And y'all didn't live there. And, and so you did there. see the outside yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the girl at Walmart that you saw that everyone was like, what is going on? Yeah. And, um, and I felt that and I, and I knew that. And I think I had that internal question inside of me too. So, so you're growing um, up and then, um, Talk about like when the first person in your family decided, I'm not down with this. Yeah. So I, my brother, uh, one of my brothers, the one that's right above me is about 18 months older than I am. And he um, met a girl through my aunt and became really interested in having a relationship with her. And that wasn't going to be allowed. I'm not going to say there was arranged marriages, but there were approved marriages. Oh, I've never heard that from you. Yeah. So it, it within the group. Yes. Because okay. there wasn't date. You didn't date. Uh-huh. Um, you just got engaged okay. pretty much. And so, um, so yeah, my brother, this girl wasn't a part of the church mm-hmm. and she wore pants and, you know, had makeup and stuff. And so, uh, my brother ended up leaving. And when, um, part, I think part of the thing to understand is that there is like, you are ostracized completely. You are shut off. You are shunned. Um, and so that happened with my brother when he left. And, um, I, that was the beginning of the struggle for me. Cause um, you'd watched that happen. Yes. And let me go back a little bit. Uh, we had braces. So that was kind of trendy too. Like, like on your teeth. Yes. Okay. We were like, my mom cared about that okay. and, and we had braces and my dad was in construction and, um, and we got kind of close to the family that was the orthodontist and his wife. And 
I think that that was something that I started experiencing too, was this other family outside of my aunts or uncles who we got kind of close to who loved Jesus. And, um, and we, I didn't grow up with a real knowledge of Jesus as being a source of salvation. Mm -hmm. It was like, he was part of the Trinity, but not a source of salvation. And so to experience- Being in your church with salvation. Yeah, yes, exactly. And being baptized. And being baptized and being good. Yes. Okay. Those were the things that it was like on a good day, if you happen to die, you're going to heaven. But if, you, I mean, God, God forbid, the weight I'm, of that. Is I heavy. mean, the weight of that. I remember that so early. Like if I had a bad thought or I did something mean or I lied, thinking, I hope I don't die tonight because God, I wouldn't Taylor. make it, you know? And so I think watching that with um, this family, something in me started having this like, I th they're good people. They love Jesus. They wear pants. They are kind. And like these questions started kind of growing in my mind. And my mom and dad were very loving and kind and not not judgmental of other people. So even though we were in an environment that kind of really separated as a family, we, I didn't ever witness that from my family. And I'm sure it helped that you guys didn't live yes, there. Yes. Because there was time away. Yeah. Yeah. There mm -hmm. was time away. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. And so when my brother left and uh, there was, a period of about 16 months, I think it was, um, that I remember thinking, I'm I'm going to be all in. I'm going to do to this the church. thing right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to really commit to be here. Um, and I did. And I did. I really did. But I could not. My best friend was my brother. And that's the other thing. When you live with rules and restrictions and no grace, you don't live with trust. Mm. And you don't live with um, safety. You live in constant fear of, of, of like someone, consequences. Yeah, of what? consequences. Somebody saying the wrong thing and getting told on, or you know, somebody finding out you're struggling with something. And when I say like you know, loosening your braid in your hair because that's pride, and you know, mm -hmm. you're trying to get attention. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't things like you were struggling with pornography or it. Or you know, like a deep. But even if that, even if that was, there's no space there to talk about that. That would be zero space. Yeah, there wouldn't even be a punishment available. I don't think for them in that. Um, Which is so sad because that we people, struggle. Yes, because we struggle with yes. those things. Because that's real life. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. But yeah. I, I guess I'm portraying that to say like there was such a disconnect uh -huh. between what we really do struggle with uh -huh. and the perfectionism of faith. Yeah. Um, so, so you're all in. Yeah. And I I'm mean, here. that's my reality, right? I don't even know that there's something called pornography mm -hmm. or drug addiction or alcohol that yeah. you could struggle with because we were protected from yeah. that. Um, and I think there was people there who had come from that background yeah. too. So there was even bigger desire. Yeah. So I remember getting to the point where there was one of the elders that, you know, I'm sure I did something or got in trouble or something. We had work days. Mm -hmm. um, and so we would go up and like spend a day on the communal land working. And um, I I remember sitting in like this store area, talking to one of the elders in, I, I don't remember everything he said. I mean, I was young, but I remember thinking, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. 
And I remember asking him, um, do you think we're the only people that are going to go to heaven? And, and I really, I meant that question. And he said, I really hope not. And when he said that you sent, did you sense like he was very sincere? I, I think he meant that from the bottom of his heart. Um, but, but it, but he thought that could be the case that we were, were that much of a margin of God's, the Israelites, if you will, yeah. you know, um, and I remember having a sense in my spirit of, I know not. And that, that was the change for me. Yeah. Um, there was a couple, our Sunday services were very long, like, you know, between two and five hours. And there was a Sunday service where one of the the head guys that had kind of been one of the founders stood up and he said, if, if you don't want to be, there was kids, boys specifically starting to leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it was like that first generation of, you know, like there was like 20 people with kids mm-hmm. and then there was a hundred people with kids and yeah. then there was 300 people with kids and they were becoming teenagers, young adults. Yeah. And so they were there. I was in the pull of them starting to see that where yeah. there was rebellion uh-huh. and you know, yeah. all of that. And so he said, um, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. And I remember f- distinctly feeling I, I, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And so that was the start of me in conversation. Did you tell anybody that? I mean, probably my brother uh-huh. and then started having those conversations with my mom and dad. And I'm sure that that conversation came from like some very rebellious night where mm-hmm. I was like, for sure, I'm not doing it this way. Um, yeah. I didn't, you know, it wasn't because I was just filled with the Holy Spirit and really obedient and responsive. You were a teenager. And, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I... I get, I get blurry, you know, it's a long time ago, but I remember whatever happened, it was that I was going to leave and my mom drove me, um, to the, the land and, uh, I sat down with, I think it was three elders, um, in a room, probably double this size. It was a little cabin they had for visitors there, um, they do some like big craft fairs a couple times a year. And so there's like. I mean, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really incredible. Yeah. The talent that is mm-hmm. there is phenomenal. And the people. I know a lot of people right. that have been and just have no idea. It's that, phenomenal. Yeah. And there's good people. For sure. There's good, loving people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I remember walking into that room. And, you know, when you grow up in an environment like that, which this is something I struggle with even in church to this day, um, there's a hierarchy. So think back to go and watch like Braveheart and think of the hierarchy of a king, Mm -hmm. a knight, a soldier, Mm -hmm. a captain of an army, and then a peasant. Mm -hmm. And I was a peasant. You're the peasant Mm -hmm. walking into the king. And uh, there was no fear. I I remember distinctly not feeling afraid. And, And I... I knew that I should feel afraid, but I did not feel afraid. And um, that is a relevant thing for me to this day of God plucking me and calling me and holding me and protecting me. Um, That I was a 13-year-old little girl Mm -hmm. in a group of men who represented authority and control and all of these things. And one of the, one of the gentlemen said, my mom was with me. And one of the gentlemen said, um, you know, you seem really defensive. I I remember sitting like in a, like a folding chair kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I was straight backed and I had my arms crossed and uh, he said, you seem really defensive. And I thought, I I am. (laughs) 
duh. Yeah. You know, I'm here. And I don't remember, I could not tell you um, without some real heart searching and, and writing probably everything that I said, but I remember distinctly seeing their faces and their body language as I would say something and it would surprise them when there wasn't like they weren't, there wasn't a comeback. Um, There wasn't a question that already had an answer, which that was something that I grew up with. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody asked this, this is how we respond. Yeah. Um, And I remember walking out feeling free. Yeah. And, and that was your last day. And that was my last day. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids struggle going in and out. For me, um, my parents left 48 hours later. And so there was safety Mm -hmm. and protection. And my parents left with the reasoning of going to like help their kids, like their kids needed help and they were going to step away and and be with us to get us kind of back on the right track. And my mom will describe it as like a frog out of boiling water. Mm. Like they had gotten into cold water. The heat had gone. You don't even know. They had, it had like was slowly killing them. Mm -hmm. And then once they jumped out of that, it was like the clarity was right there for them. Yeah. Um, You know, and my dad grew up a believer Um, My mom had come to faith later Mm -hmm. in life. So they like knew the Lord Mm -hmm. outside of the the works. And, um, and I'm not saying that that our family didn't struggle. We struggled. Mm -hmm. It was hard. I mean, I left home at 16 years old. Um, I went through a lot of things between 13 and 18 that you don't usually go through. Yeah. Um, But there was freedom and I, you know, I didn't climb right into a healthy church and get involved in a Bible study and really grow my faith yeah. right away. But I never doubted that God loved me. Um, I did seek out things like um, my, my parents sent me to camp at Canacuck and I, and I heard Joe White speak and that, that is the first time I remember hear, like freedom being mm-hmm. spoken over me. And and that is when I was like, I love that, that God. I love that God. So what do you think it is? What, what helps you not hate God from that? Because I think that is what often happens when people have a really hard experience mm-hmm. with church. And, and this is, this is, this goes way beyond people have hard experiences at healthy churches. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are people. People are falling and they're leaving they're broken, things. Yeah. We're broken people leading broken people. Um, and being in church leadership, you know, my husband being a pastor, I hate to hear stories of people getting hurt at healthy mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. What made you say, God, I don't hate you? You know, I think for me, I can go back to the moments where I felt him. I felt him. Um and for me, you know, that's a humbling thing for me because uh, my walk with the Lord has been hard, but my faith of Him has not been hard. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is something like that you have that childlike faith. Y- there's a tangible, which is a gift. Yes, it's a gift. It is a gift. It's, it's totally a, a gift. And it's a free gift that yeah. was given to me that yeah. not everybody has. Mm-hmm. Um, my, even my own siblings, you know, I, yeah. I sometimes will be in conversation and I'll think, why was that so easy for me? Mm-hmm. And and it's so hard and yeah. it's such a struggle. Um, so I think I can, I can go back to tangibly feeling and knowing things and not like, I say that a lot about my life. Like I shouldn't, the trajectory of my life, my education, my experience, my beliefs do not land me where I am mm-hmm. today. And, um, 
and yet I am here mm-hmm. by God's grace and yeah. mercy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of my hate, if you will, for God turned into hate of the church. Um, and that, that particular. Or the church. I would say the big C church uh-huh. because it was very, very hard to separate what that what an institution mm-hmm. that had a belief system mm-hmm. that said loving God looks like X mm-hmm. in any capacity was like, uh-uh. And no. so what does that look like for you now? Rough. Because I think that's what yeah. my friends that are coming out of the Mormon church feel. Yes. Very institutionalized. And so that translates to every church. And yet as I study God's word and I see this as his people and he loves his people, I cannot love God without loving his people. Mm-hmm. And so I keep going back to that truth. Um, and and also that in loving broken people is where we learn to lo- love Jesus yeah. more and know Jesus more. Yeah. So I think that's a constant for me. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm like owning it or mm-hmm. walking in it. I mean, even in this past year, I think it's been a... a a growth season yeah. for us as well. Um, and, you know, like you said, church is messy yeah. and there's different types of churches and different types of worship experiences. And um, I mean, my husband, it'll be so funny. I'm very, very um, attuned and very aware of unhealthy authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also very aware of authority in general. Mm-hmm. And so clarifying unhealthy authority and authority has been a constant road for me. And it's it's a struggle for me. And it's something I have to like lean up against people that I trust to call me out on it. Um, But we can go to, you know, go to a church service and walk out of it. And I'm like, did you hear when we're breakdown of that scripture and da, 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 like, that is not what that scripture is saying. And Dave was like, how, how did you hear that? Mm -hmm. But I grew up hearing that. Yeah. I grew up, and I grew up post my time there having to go back and relearn what the Bible says mm-hmm. and what is true mm-hmm. and not someone's interpretation yeah. of what the Bible yeah. says and what is true. One of the best things about the Bible is God actually says through his words, I can teach you about me through my Holy Spirit yes. and these words. Yes. And so that's freedom right there is that when you sat under this awful power authority that was not okay. An interpretation of God's word. And they were telling you what to believe. Mm-hmm. The f- exciting f- God's grace and mercy in our life is that we can actually open the Bible ourselves yes. and ask the Holy Spirit, will you will you guide me in this? Amen. Will you teach me through this? And it does. And he says he will. He does. And I he mean, does. I can tell you that he does. Yeah. I've experienced yeah. that. And I can go back to being a little girl and hearing something taught and then reading it and being like, I don't feel like that's that that yeah. does not resonate. Uh-huh. That is not that is not what those words mm-hmm. say. And then I and I think that is the Holy yeah. Spirit. And I think that is a gifting in my life is that the Holy Spirit has been alive and well in me. It was introduced to me early uh-huh. in a broken way. Uh-huh. Um, but I think in God's mercy and in just a childlike faith that I allowed that to come into me in yeah. a way that was innocent and pure mm-hmm. and I could hear it and yeah. I can still hear it to this day. Yeah. Um, I think that is one of the things that makes me a good friend because I can be, I can be driving down the road and I can like l- tangibly hear it's a random out of the blue, you know, mm-hmm. person come to my heart and it, it, it like a prayer is laid on me and it's a reach out to them. And then, you know, and then something's actually going something on, is yeah. on all the time. Yeah. And if I don't do it, 
it continues. Yeah. It continues. And then I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. And I did that. I made three calls on my way here. Yeah. People that have been on my heart for mm-hmm. a week that I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I, I yeah. I got it and I got a baby. So it's a gift. I'm trying, but I don't, I don't take that lightly at all because it it is a gift. I mean, and just, I just feel the need to also encourage listeners. Like if you're listening and you think I'm hearing something from leaders or churches that I don't think lines up with God's word, you can go read it. Mm -hmm. You can go read it and figure it out. Go read it. Go read it. Go read (laughs) it. Go read it. You will never waste that time. Right. Getting to know Jesus and getting to know his word. Right. Hey guys, I know you're loving my conversation with my sweet friend Taylor, but first I want to take a moment to thank some of our sponsors because they make this happy hour keep happening. First person I want to thank is Audible. You guys, now it's the middle of September. We're getting back into the swing of life with kids and school. You know what you should add to your list right now of things to do is audiobooks. They make the greatest sidekick for whatever you're doing, whether you're hiking, running errands, road tripping, enjoying some downtime outdoors, whatever you're doing, audiobooks can go with you. And with the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, Audible lets you fill your summer with more stories like we've been reading this summer in our book club. You guys, I want to recommend a few books for you that you could go check out on Audible really soon. One of them is Just Mercy. Brian Stevenson wrote it, and it is over on Audible today. Another one you can look at is my next week's guest, Sonia Richard-Dross. Her book, Chasing Grace, is over on Audible. And then, you know, a shameless plug if you want to check out the book that I wrote. It's also at Audible. As an Audible member, you'll get a credit every month good for any audiobook, regardless of price. Unused credits roll over to the next month. And if you didn't like your audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep. Go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. Better yet, you can switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off, whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Just go to audible.com slash Jamie Ivy. That's me. That's who you're listening to. Or text Jamie Ivy. It's J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com slash Jamie Ivy, J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y. Or text Jamie Ivy to 500-500. You can do it all with audiobooks. Guys, I also want to thank... Coffee and Crayons, a back-to-school podcast from Target and Slate Studios. You know, back-to-school season, it might seem easy from the outside, but let me tell you what, us parents, we know that getting ready for a new school year is about a lot more than new backpacks and string cheese and yogurts. It's time for parents to set up their kids for success and give them the support they need to thrive throughout the school year. But you know what, guys? Everyone needs support, even us parents. And who better than the people who know it best? fellow moms and dads. On Coffee and Crayons, host and parent, Malady Kosden is here to be your back-to-school wing mom. I need a back-to-school wing mom. You do too. In each episode, Mallory talks compassion, creativity, and inclusion with parenting influencers and everyday people. They'll also give you back-to-school tips for next summer and a parent-to-parent debrief on this time of year. Subscribe now to Coffee and Crayons on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the full series today. Okay, back to the rest of my conversation with my sweet friend, Taylor. I think all of our past experiences create things in us today. Mm-hmm. It's it's just how life works, you mm-hmm. know? You've been through some hard things with your um, growing up in your church that we just talked about, but you've also been through some hard family stuff. 
I'll never forget when you told me about losing your dad and you lost him young. I mean, you know, my both my parents are still alive. Most people are aged. Both of our parents are yeah. still alive. Um, and unfortunately, your daddy died suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't need to tell us, you can tell us whatever you want, but your dad died suddenly. What has that been like as an adult daughter to walk through the sudden death of someone that you have loved so much? Yeah. It stinks stinks it is uh it is hard to it's hard to miss somebody and I do that daily um but it's you know I feel like my dad was killed in a very freak freak accident um my little brother was there he was at his brother's it's like the freakest accident I've ever heard yeah Yeah. he um there was a he basically was hit in the head with a piece of metal that flew off of it's something. It's so random. 200 never plus even, yards yeah. away, it bounced off a house and hit him in the forehead. And uh, he was in another state and we were here. And um, I remember getting the call and thinking he had been in a car accident. And um, when you grieve, when you meet death, you get off of the train track of life. Mm. Everything stops and and things become insanely slow and vivid and clear. Mm. Um, and for me, that happened at 28 years old when I was the mom to one kid. Um, and that will be a treasure to me that has changed the way that I love, has changed the way that I parent, has changed the way that I wife, um, that challenges me daily in my walk with the Lord, uh, that you really, you really don't know that you have tomorrow. And I have, wit- I've, I've walked that. Um, so I think for me, like there is a gratefulness in terms of having lived that and learned that lesson. My dad's father, so my grandfather passed away of cancer when my dad was 19. And I remember when um, we were on the phone, when the doctors came in, my little brother was 19 and we were on the phone when the doctor came in. Because your brother was with him. He was with him. Yeah. They went to the hospital. Um, the doctor came in and I'm like frantically trying to book a trip for my mom, you know, like getting my mom there and like all the things. Um, you and just so everyone knows you and your mom were here in Texas and they were in Michigan. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm like at the end of my bed on my laptop trying to book a flight for my mom and uh, on the phone, just kind of listening to what was going on. But um, I remember the sound of the siren the sound of him getting to the hospital. Because you're on the phone with your brother. I'm on my phone with my brother and he's talking. And I, you know, it's so funny because had any of us other kids been there, we would have protected my mom. We wouldn't have called my mom, but it was my little, it was my baby brother. Yeah. And he picked up the phone and called my mom and she said, put the phone to your dad's ear. And she said goodbye to him. You know, she got to talk to him. We wouldn't have done that. Right. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I would have been like, I'm going to wait till he's okay. Yeah. And then call her uh-huh. um, and I'm going to protect her in that way. And it was like out of God's Was your mercy. dad already gone? When my mom talked to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for me, no. Um, my my dad's breathing slowed when he heard my mom's voice. Uh, he went from gasping for air to, to breathing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not, not breathing, I guess would be a better way of saying that. Um, but my brother, who was witness to it, said, he, he heard, heard her. Heard my dad. Yeah, he heard her. And those are the things, right? That that um, if you would have told me that, having never walked through that, I think I want to go into the science and the logic and the brain. But I can also tell you things that I have experienced post losing 
my dad and my father-in-law that are, are like, it's a, it's an openness and an awareness to how God's spirit works in us. And I think that that was a gift that God gave my mom and a gift that he gave my dad in, in the passing in their time here together. Um, so I believe, yeah, he did hear, um, but yeah, I remember him getting to the hospital and the sirens and thinking, now fix it, now fix it, now fix it. Okay, like now now we're going to fix it, which is a lot of my personality to that point of like, we got a problem, we got a solution, like how do those get together? And we, and we solve this problem. And it was like, do you have to put him on ice? Is he going to have to have brain surgery? Like what things are going to have to happen was all going through my mind at this rate of a thousand miles a minute. And then the, you know, they were like, is his name Anthony? And my brother's like, what's dad's date of birth? And, you know, you're just doing all the things. And, um, and then a doctor came in and, you know, time, there's no measure of time. I have no idea if it was seven minutes or 70 minutes or 17. And uh, the doctor came in and said, your dad suffered a massive head injury. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now what are we going to do? Like, we know those parts, uh-huh. but like, what are we fixing it? And, um, he, he said, uh, we've done everything that we could do, but we were unable to resuscitate him. And I, I mean, I remember vividly thinking that's not your job. Go back and figure it out. And he, and he said again, like, we're so very sorry. We were unable to resuscitate him. And that's the moment that changed everything. Um, so for me, losing my dad at 28 changed my life and it has come with broken and hard and hurting and it's come with beauty and love and joy. Um, in that moment, I realized why my dad was who he was for the 28 years that I had him. It's because he had experienced that at 19 and he knew what it was to Mm -hmm. live a life um, knowing that you don't have tomorrow. And yeah. I grew up with a daddy who did that. Yeah. Um, he, you know, I don't want to speak for my brothers, but it, there is not like a, there is not a resounding dad should have said this uh-huh. before he left in my family. There is a resounding, the things he needed to apologize. He did it then. Um, the words he needed to say, he said, and I think, you know, like we have, we're in kind of sets of kids, like my, my older brothers are two, then me and my brother. And then there's a gap between my two little brothers. And I had a sister that was still born in between there, but, um, we're, I think we all had a different dad Uh because of the evolution of his growth and, and, um, but we all have a feeling of feeling loved by him and known by him, um, and heard he was available. And so I think those are things that, I now strive to be, to be, um, because I know how precious it is. And I didn't, it was just my dad before. Um, but now, you know, I'd, I'd happily take the 28 years with him. Yeah. His influence was mighty on you. Very mighty. And it still is. Yeah. It still is to this day. Um, his legacy lives strong in our family. You know, I just today was, um, on Instagram, aren't we on Instagram every day? Um, and I what don't is know. that? <laughs> it's this new, it's a new app. I'll oh. show you how to use it. Oh, could you? Okay. Do you get points if I don't? Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, so speaking of death and de- death is like this thing. I have not experienced the death of a close person. Both my parents are still alive. My husband, my kids, all the things, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't lost a, it's just, I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, my friend Winter passed away mm-hmm. um, suddenly, mom to four girls. Um, and so death is this weird, weird thing. It's like, 
we all know it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming for all of us, right? Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. As believers, I mean, not to be morbid, but like it really, the party really starts once we die, yeah. which is weird to think because I like my life and I like yeah. my husband. I like my kids. I like my friends, but God is so full of promises for what life looks like yeah. on the other side. Um, so my friend Winter just passed away and her daughter, I'm going to read this. I didn't know I was going to do this. I think did I, you see I, it? I did. I love, yes, read it. It's I so just, beautiful. it is so beautiful. I didn't know her and I have followed her daughter, followed her daughter and prayed for them because I, so Alina is, I'm going to guess 14. I think she's the same age as my Caden. Okay. And so, and then there's three younger siblings. Younger. So she says this, um, I think it's been about five weeks since her mama passed uh-huh. away. Middle of, middle of July. Yeah. This is the 14 year old. And she posted a picture of her and her sisters. And so she said this, these girls, I was reading a book, The Hiding Place in School Today. I know I'm such a geek. By the way, Alina, you're not a geek. That's amazing That's book. That's a great book. Uh-huh. She refers to her experience during the Holocaust as two very different things. She calls it horror and heaven. Mm -hmm. I sat in class and I thought on this for a long time, seeing if I could relate in any way. Then it hit me. One of the hardest times in my life has been one of the best times in my life. Even though it hurts, don't get me wrong, it seriously hurts. It's heavenly. I've never been this close to my sisters or seen this much family ever. I kept wondering how a time such as this could be good how something so horrific and painful could be for the better. Don't get it twisted. I've been mad at God. I've questioned his authority. I've yelled in anger. I've cried in pain. I've taken it on others. I've written many letters to God telling him why this is wrong and how Mm -hmm. there is no way on earth this lines up with his will if he was truly a good God. But through it all, I've experienced something like never before. I've experienced true community and love. More family has stayed at my house these past three weeks than in, well, ever. Tonight is the first night our house hasn't been filled with people, and it's given me time to do what I've been avoiding. It's given me time to think, to feel, to wonder, to question, to imagine. I can see my beautiful mom dancing in heaven. I can sense God near. I can see her looking down at us and smiling. This whole situation has given me time to be intentional. I've gone on late night walks and had one-on-one girl time with my sisters. I've watched their hopeful hearts grow strong. And I thank God because without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. Waking up every morning for school and keeping a smile on my face is hard. Today was hard. Yesterday was hard. Tomorrow will be hard. But when these girls are the first things I wake up to and the last thing I see before I go to sleep, it helps. I picture their smiles in my head. I imitate their fearless faith. Mm. I write this 5 million paragraph essay, not just to talk, but to encourage. And then she ends with a quote from her mama. And it says, at the end of the day, you will have, you will have, all you have left is your family. So love them well. And she's 14 and she's five weeks out and she's, her heart is going to be forever, you know? Um, But she described a little bit there of what I hear from you when you talk about one of the hardest things you have endured, maybe you ever will endure. Um, But yet God has used it to shape you and mold you into who you are. Yeah. It's interesting too, Jamie, because there's even in here, even in reading that yesterday and hearing you read it to think I got, my dad met my son. He was at my wedding. He walked down the aisle and her mom won't be there for those things. And so there's in this great thing called comparison that we have a tendency to do sometimes as women. Um, I know that I have even done that in death. Like I'm like, I didn't lose my spouse. My mom lost her spouse. Uh-huh. I lost my dad. You know, uh-huh. the likelihood is you're going to lose your, you're going to lose. lose our parents yes. probably. Yeah. Um, and so learning to have grace in, in grief has been a real journey. That's good. And it's so beautiful to hear her 
articulate that, that uh-huh. she is walking the road. Um, and I think that was a, that was a big thing for me. I remember going into our pastor's office and, and he said something that I've shared a hundred times with people and we'll share a hundred times more, but you know, I was like, I just don't feel like I have a right to this much pain. Like it's my dad. It's not, it, he's supposed our parents to, are supposed yes. to go before us. Um, he did. My dad did not suffer. Yeah. My dad did not, you know, there was so many things for me to be grateful for. And my dad is in heaven Yeah, and I'm angry that my dad didn't get to retire and take my boys fishing. But yet, how can I be angry if I also believe like he is fishing every day? And like, you know, how, how do these things align? How can he be in no pain? And I am in the greatest pain that I've ever felt. How do those align? And um, my dad taught me to pray like I was talking to him. And so that is very much our relationship with the Lord. Like we chat and my dad was, a t- he was a chatter. It, like you did not want to talk from my dad, you know, if you were in trouble, but he, he taught me to come to my father in heaven as though I was talking to him. So that was weird. I was like, am I praying to my dad? Am I praying to my dad? Like my dad? Like my, my Abba daddy? Yes. Like uh, my earthly yes. daddy? And uh, I remember um, our pastor at the time saying to me, you know, Taylor, don't don't you dare judge the way that you feel pain. The measure of pain you feel is just a reflection of the measure of love that you shared. And I, that has stuck with me and um, encouraged me how lucky I am that I got to share that deep of a love with my dad yeah. that hurts so as bad, bad as it does mm-hmm. still. Yeah. And how lucky that you had a mama that you shared such a deep connection yeah. with that it yeah. aches yeah. so much. Um, and I think that is a reminder in terms of, you know, our family, our friends, our community love big mm-hmm. Um because it, it it impacts lives. Yeah. It makes a difference. And grief is a tricky thing. I mean, again, I haven't walked through deep grief, but I've talked to a lot of pe- women mm-hmm. who have. And I think allowing yourself to go through all the stages yes. of grief. And if you're walking beside someone that's going, I have some friends that have walked through grief. They haven't had a death per se, but they've had some really big traumatic things. And seeing her walk through different stages oh. of grief um has been hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It's super hard to watch. Because you can't you can't fix it. You can't fix anything. Mm-hmm. Nope. And there's and the anger and yeah. you know all the things. Um but allowing someone to actually go through those stages yes. is really helpful and beneficial. Even though I know that I believe that God is sovereign and he's an authority someone that's that let them go through those moments yes. of yeah. God I'm mad at you. Yeah. God why would you do this? Um and, and you know uh I think too, like we think, I mean, I'm, I've said to pray to God, like it's my dad. And I also feel like the relationship of children and parents and like how God talks about that in the Bible, we are his kids. He, he does not want us taking our anger somewhere else. Mm, he he is, can take it. He is, our anger is safe with him. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Jesus got angry he, and he took those things to his father. Yeah. I mean, he, he, went and he said, yeah. why, yeah. why? Um, and if you read David and the Psalms, is like, God, where are you? Yes. What's what's going on here? That is part of our journey of getting 
to know him yeah. on a deeper level. And I think, you know, there is this thought of I'm mad at God. I can't let anybody know that loves Jesus because then I'm in sin. And so I've got to hide this and it's not okay for me to feel these feelings. Yes. I, I better pull it together. And I am, I'm so anti that, that belief. Um, I don't, I don't think that's who God is. I think that he is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah. And I'll give you rest. Yeah. And it, it may be rest from anger. It may be rest from aching or hurt or whatever, or it may just be holding you in the pain. Yeah. And he does that. He yeah. does that. Yeah. And everybody grieves different too. I mean, I've got five bros. Uh, they do not grieve like a female. Yeah. Yeah. But they grieve in yeah. their own way. And so learning to have grace with one another, um, learning to allow, I love love going to my dad's gravesite. Mm-hmm. Um, I love taking my children there. I have kids, I literally have pictures of my boy's heinies as they're peeing off the front uh-huh. and I'm weeping in the back yeah. um, and they're playing because it is a quiet place where the wind blows. And it is not that I feel that my dad's presence is there. It's that it is a pause from the train that mm. is getting off the train for me to be present in the lessons that I learned in his passing. Yeah. And so for me, that's a pause and and it's a treasured pause for me that I'm still learning to do at the grocery store or in the chaos of making dinner. Um, but that I actively feel mm-hmm. when I go there. Yeah. Um, for for some of my brothers, they're like, Don't want to go. I, I don't I do not want to be there yeah. at all. Yeah. So, you know, I think our friend, place. our mutual friend Tova, she still visits the graves. Yes, she does. She, she lives said right she, by it. She, she lives right by it. She said she just went there on the first day of school. <sighs> mm. Yeah. Um, someone's listening, no doubt about it. We have listeners that grief has hit them hard recently. Mm-hmm. What's your, what you got one thing to say? Don't give up. There is, there is, you know, you don't get over it. You learn to walk through it and it changes you. It refines you. It grows you. Um, I think that grieving is the gift we give people that we love. And so I think that there is, there's beauty in that process of honoring, honoring the relationship that we shared, um, whether that's a child. Um, if you are walking along with somebody that's grieving, say the person's name to them, ask about it. Because I think there's this belief of like, I don't want to, you're okay today. You're not in tears today, so I don't want to bring it up and make you think about it. But the fact is, is that you are always thinking about it. Um, it's always a part of you. And so I think hang in there. Um, You're the second person I've heard say that. Say um, their name. So don't act like they didn't live. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, right? Grief is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my father-in-law, my dad was passed in September. My father-in-law got diagnosed with cancer in January and he had a 16 month battle of, of, um, cancer. It was stage four when he was diagnosed and people have asked a hundred times, like what was harder? Um, and my papa, he special, special man to me. He was not my birth dad that I grew up with, but he loved me and I loved him. And we had a very dear relationship and watching him struggle and watching him like grieve with his family as he was dying mm. was different than my dad. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have to watch my dad suffer the way that um, my papa has 
his kids, his yeah. daughter and two sons had to wash him yeah. suffer. Um, and so grief, it looks different. Yeah. I'm saying that to say it looks different on all accounts, mm-hmm. but I also, I also never got to sit with my dad and tell him all the things yeah. that, um, were treasured about him. Mm-hmm. I, when I went to see my dad in the hospital, um, he was in a room and, uh, it was one of the most sacred moments of my life. And like, if you'd have told me that before, like you're going to go in there and it's going to be powerful and yeah, you're going to be like, okay. No. I'm like, no, uh-huh. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but when you, when you and I look at each other, we look at each other's eyes. Uh-huh. When someone's left their physical being, you look at their body and you process the things. There was a line in my dad's thumb that I would just stroke is when I held his hand as a little girl and walking in there and like seeing his hand reminded me of that. Um, and there was just these moments of the things that we appreciate that we take for granted. There was strength in me touching that little line on my dad's his hand, you know? Um, and I think that those are the things that we remember with my papa, uh, you know, I was there when they brought the hospice bed in and, um, and he didn't want it. And I remember we said words about it to each Mm -hmm. other where I said, I know this isn't what you want, but it's the last gift that you can give to the woman that you love because she's scared you're going to fall. Yeah. And so do it for her. And I, and I see you, Mm -hmm. I see you and know, and he didn't have words. And it was like, I said the words, but we talked with our eyes and it's a different thing. Um, So yeah, hang in there. Grieving is worth it. It's so worth it. And like you said, the journey of all of this, stages of it and they come back yeah they come back you think you think oh, you're past the oh, one no, and then something no. happens all of a sudden yes. you're right back you there in, for me i walk into home depot and it's uh-huh. a smell yeah in memory with my dad or yeah. you know um, yeah my kids coming home uh-huh my kids asking questions about him yeah um, yeah so yeah mm. good well taylor thank you you're, you're, um, I knew all these stories and they have been an encouragement to me. And so I know that they're encouraging to someone listening. Um, which just life is hard, but it doesn't mean it can't be okay good. and good. You know, like you said, it's messy. It it's is. messy for all of us. I haven't been through anything you listed. Life is still messy. Messy. It really is. But I think that when, what I hear when you talk and when I believe is that, Life is hard. Life is messy. But when we zoom in and look close, like God is in the midst and he's all here with us and he's in the midst of all of it. And he, he's here with us. Amen. Emmanuel, doesn't that mean God yes. with us? Yes. Jesus came to be with us and he really is. So is. thank is. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a joy to be here with you. All right, you guys, Noonday Collection. I'm going to say it again because I don't want you to miss out on this beautiful handmade jewelry that is changing the world. Head over to noondaycollection.com slash Jamie Ivy for my top five favorite fall pieces and shop your little hearts out. Also, if you guys want to know more about Noonday, the founder and CEO is back on episode number 206. Go back and give it a listen. Okay. I know you love Taylor. I love Taylor. I wasn't kidding when I say she's one of the kindest people I've ever met. Her encouragement and her vulnerability as she talked about what she'd been through in the church growing up, how she is still seeking God in her life today, what grief looks like for her and how it changes all the time. I'm so thankful that she sat down with me today. And I know that you are as well. Go find her on Instagram and give her some love over there. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt 
Graham. Next week, you guys, my guest is Sonia Richards-Ross, who, in case you don't know who she is, she is a four-time gold medalist in the Olympics. She ran the 400 and the 4x400. I got giddy. I'm not going to lie. I got giddy when she walked into my office because, you know, I used to run track a long time ago. And so I was so excited to talk with her. We talked about what it's like to be in the Olympics. Her husband also played in the NFL. So what was it like to be married to a professional athlete? Of course, I had to tell her that I ran in the Junior Olympics. I had to. How could I not? And let me tell you, that's exactly like telling Joanna Gaines in an interview that you were homemaking student of the year in eighth grade, which if you're wondering, I was. And if I ever sit down with Joanna Gaines, maybe I can tell her that as well. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. Meet me back here next Wednesday with Sonia Richards-Ross. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.